0: If you're ever thinking about being an entrepreneur, a friend of mine gave me a quote that is sort of in the vein of entrepreneurship, which is when life gives you two options, choose the one with the better story. I left there feeling vulnerable, right? I left that interview feeling like I, I didn't, I thought I had all this great experience. And then I just stepped out of the interview and realized how vulnerable I actually was and how inexperienced I was. When a designer comes with strength in their point of view and they're able to defend a decision because of that strength, they can get a lot further.
1: up everybody, I'm Guo, and you're listening to the Not Just Pixel Show. There's a lot to learn as a designer, so in this show I sit down with design professionals to understand how to grow as a designer and help you get that UX design internship or job. Let's get into it. Today, I'm talking to Heidi Finn. Heidi is currently the Senior Director of Product Design on the Commerce Theme at GoDaddy, a domain register and web hosting company. Before GoDaddy, she worked at PayPal as the senior design manager and co-founded two startups, which are TripCraft and Video. In our conversation, we delved into a variety of topics, including designing for commerce, pros and cons of joining a startup as a designer, UX methodologies, and so much more. Personally, the most eye-opening part for me was when Haiti talked about the challenges of designing e-commerce versus physical commerce, where cultural differences need to be considered. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Heidi Finn. Heidi, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I wanted to start with your earlier career. I saw that on your website, you started out as a serial entrepreneur. And I'm really curious about that term. And so I was wondering, can you tell me more about the experience of being a serial entrepreneur? And what were some of the startups that you co-founded?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So... um you know the term of being a serial entrepreneur is basically someone who you know goes into entrepreneurship more than once and multiple times oftentimes uh dealing with you know those things that happen like failures <laughs> over optimism successes hopefully yeah. um but you know really when we think about entrepreneurship one thing is having the means to be able to do that uh, it's really hard to be able to you know, um, go into startups sometimes uh, with sweat equity and obviously extra time and sometimes not having kind of the financial means to do it. But, you know, really when you're going into starting a business, uh, I think the, the underlying thinking is that anything worth doing involves sort of overcoming some obstacles. And, you know, sometimes they're you know, small and and other times they are enormous and, and sometimes they are expected and other times they're complete curveballs, you know. So um, I think when I entered into going into, you know, being a founder of, of a business, I had done um, consulting for a long time. So I had already kind of had some time in different industries and I started to build uh, some subject matter expertise in mm-hmm. certain spaces. Um, at the time I was Looking at mobile, which was new, kind of in in mm. um, a, a new world of of looking at using mobile for I think at the time it was called solo mo, like social mm. local mobile, and you know thinking about doing things through mobile apps like booking um, reservations, which was ultimately my first startup, mm. uh, which was called TripCraft. That company was really about connecting into hospitality systems and integrating with those in order to build mobile booking engines, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of the a lot of the luxury brands were starting to look at their own mobile apps. The one that we started with was Mandarin Oriental, and you know they were looking at a high touch brand, you know, app experience and. They wanted to be able to really build in all the personalization that existed at the time and so at the time you know you could only imagine what it is now but like at the time a lot of that was was starting with just simply managing a booking and handling something like a reservation you know through a spa or something so yeah so i did that for a while and that was super fun um it was one of those things where i started to kind of learn and explore Areas of my career that I didn't really have a lot of knowledge about things Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, coming in from a design perspective, an art major, in fact, Mm -hmm. I had a very creative path and but I didn't have a lot of exposure to things like, you know, business development Mm -hmm. and um, finance and having conversations about, you know, sales and outcomes and employees and, you know, just staffing. So I was able to kind of learn a lot through just doing. And um, mm-hmm. and ultimately then, as I was in the midst of that, came a new opportunity. We were pretty stable at the time with Tripcraft and a new opportunity came about with a friend of mine who actually, funny enough, it was with a group of friends that one of them was a um, Grammy winner for uh, mm-hmm. Latin music. And, mm-hmm. you know, not many people have... Grammy winner friends that right. uh, want to do business, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, of really rare. cool. Yeah. A lot of really cool like friends. And that was the time when social media and video was coming about. This is like pre TikTok. Mm-hmm. So this is when the idea at the time was about linking videos together to kind of tell a story. So, mm-hmm. you know, Vine was coming out at the exact same time mm-hmm. and Got acquired very quickly by Twitter. Um, we ended up taking on their engineer from Vine mm. and trying to build into that a little bit more into um, stories that could be used by brands. Like now, we look at user-generated content that's on, mm. you know, commercials and things like that. This was sort of doing that in its early stages. So we did some really cool work with Bob Marley's family when Bob Marley wow. turned seventy. I mean, obviously he's dead, but when right, he's 70th right, yeah. birthday. Yeah. And yeah, it was a really cool, fun experience. I mean, I think that if you're ever thinking about being an entrepreneur, a friend of mine gave me a quote that is sort of in the vein of entrepreneurship, which is when life gives you two options, choose the one with the better story. Right. Mm. So I was able to learn a lot and came with a lot of great stories.
1: Mm-hmm. Love that. I think one follow-up that I had... Actually, I have so many follow-ups, but I know we have limited time. So I think one thing that designers often think about is like maybe after graduation, they're thinking of what type of companies they want to work at. Would you recommend designers to work at a startup or more of those in more of an entrepreneur realm? And what are some of the benefits and maybe some of the like cons of doing so?
0: Yeah, so I think I was... You know, in my career, I was able to do kind of the three different paths, one of them being consulting, another being startups and entrepreneurship, and another being corporate. I think all three of them give you really unique career growth in, you know, different ways, right? So entrepreneurship is great because you can often wear a lot of hats. You can learn a lot of different things that have to do with furthering business perspectives, Mm -hmm. you know, or or finance, if you have that exposure. I think sometimes when you're just coming out of school, it's a lot of people don't have the means to do that early on. Um, Mm -hmm. So to me, that's like something when you get in, if you get into something like that, be mindful of where you're picking, get advice on how to structure your, you know, your relationship in the startup Mm -hmm. and what that means, because it comes with a lot of unique aspects that people don't always get a lot of training on, Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to founder shares and all the different things that come with the liabilities of a um, business. Mm -hmm. and you know just think about like what is your goal your outcome for any career decision that you make and Mm -hmm. invest in it you're investing in yourself think about every job you take as an investment
1: you mentioned that startups the benefits as a startup is that a designer can wear multiple hats they can learn different disciplines outside of design i was wondering then were those years in your startup beneficial to helping you learn some of the more like business skills and also more of the, like the finance, the sales skills. And are there any other ways to learn?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you're a designer who really gets, you know, sort of excited about strategy, um, this is a place to think about growing those skills, you know, in product Obviously, there's the business outcomes that you're looking at, starting to understand how analytics plays into it, how to benchmark, forecasting. I mean, these are all things that, you know, are are kind of business-heavy concepts and constructs. Mm -hmm. But from a design perspective, we're bringing the user into the conversation about all of that, right? And so it helps you to kind of ground your frameworks, that you take forward into design Mm -hmm. and it helps you as you grow in leadership to kind of help your team start to see the business outcomes that you're trying to achieve and and how design fits into the equation because ultimately for the most part every product is designed around a user right Mm -hmm. so really when it comes down to it it's just that those disciplines oftentimes people outside of design aren't typically Mm -hmm. taking. You know, taking a step into design. So they don't always kind of speak our language, but we can sometimes learn their language a little bit
1: more. Right. Because I think that's something that I'm also lacking and I want to learn as well. I think just by your experiences, what were some best practices in terms of like communicating with people that are not necessarily familiar with maybe the design or the process behind the work that you do?
0: Yeah, I mean one of one of the big things is so there there's a term that's inquiry for advocacy. It's just basically about using you know inquire to advocate for a position and get to know, get to understand what they're trying to achieve, try to understand their language because the more that you can learn, the more that you're willing to ask. A lot of people tend to come in and especially designers want to solve. Right. And so we quickly get into solving mode and want to answer and want to, you know, add value and, and sort of all of that. But really it's about kind of like stepping back, learning what others are trying to get Mm -hmm. from whatever their positions are. And just, you know, try to keep finding relationships between what they're talking about and what you do for a living, you know, like how does that relate? Mm-hmm. It's not about like I think that's the thing is it's not about necessarily being an expert. It's about being a partner, right? Um, how to be a partner to them, and if they see that you can, people from other disciplines like a product leader, engineer, or whomever, finance mm-hmm. person, salesperson, if they see that you're relating to them, then you know you build trust and ultimately can help them succeed and help you succeed
1: Mm. so taking the first step to understand their language and try to communicate yeah with them using their what they they're preferring
0: yeah and i I mean we're empathetic in our you know i guess our skill set toolbox right so we have those abilities almost like driven around those abilities a bit right Mm. like how we kind of work and what we think about and how to get to some of the like real nuggets of of information that we need to find out from people sometimes so mm. it, it, it almost comes naturally sometimes for designers so the more you can talk to people like the more you can do mentorship the more you can you know get to know like other experiences like this you know get to know more things helps you kind of like just start to open up into like outside of your own landscape and into something new
1: i think i i want to switch um mm-hmm. the gears a little bit because we also touched upon this a little bit in terms of the business and also the finance part so after your serial entrepreneur years you got into paypal and then now you're at godaddy so i realized that you've worked primarily on commerce solution and I was wondering, why did you decide to focus on commerce experiences in the beginning? Was that an intentional choice, or was that something that just happened um, during your career?
0: It's a good question. Yeah, no. So, um, pretty much every career decision I've made has been intentional. So, you know, going into mobile when I did with the startup, going into video or social video at the time was to stay on trend on top of what's new. After I did that and I had some years behind me and was sort of in that kind of phase of feeling like I've been there, done that a little bit with, mm-hmm. with some different things, mm-hmm. one of the things I didn't have a lot of experience with was global scale. And I realized that when I had an interview, which was probably a step above my, you know, capabilities at the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the interview was for this really great, really high-end job in mm-hmm. Europe. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just like thrilled that I even had the opportunity to interview. And um, one of the questions that they asked me was about scale. And I, you know, coming from startup world, I, I had this, this beautiful way of jumping around a question Mm -hmm. So that I didn't really answer it Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: I didn't really have the answer right? because I didn't really have the experience. So I was trying to kind of, you know, wheel and deal what I did have Mm. and I left there feeling vulnerable, right? Mm. I left that interview feeling like I, I didn't, I thought I had all this great experience, And then I just stepped out of the interview and realized how vulnerable I actually was and how inexperienced I was. Hmm. So like literally at that exact time frame, I was recruited by PayPal. And and it was just like it was I mean, you know, whatever Hmm. cards fell in place at the right time. Yeah, that was that was like, oh, wait, finance, commerce. I was already doing a lot with reservations, mobile bookings, commerce related activities. At the time, I was doing a lot with Caesars, you know, which which had a lot of hotels and and different types of commerce activities. And I did a lot with IOT um, Mm -hmm. at the time. So, you know, I was familiar with things that were commerce related. And I started to see that I was becoming a subject matter expert. And so when PayPal came around, I was like, oh, bingo, global scale. Like, this is exactly what I want in my career to, Mm -hmm. you know, to to do the next thing. And so, yeah, it was awesome because at PayPal, I had the ability to get into kind of a space of PayPal that's unique. Mm -hmm. It's not the button. It's not the online space. It's everything else, you know, in Mm -hmm. in the offline space, which meant I had the opportunity to see emerging markets to go to places like China and go to Tencent and learn about, you know, finance in other countries and how people do things and really get into like solution discovery in a whole different way. So yeah, so then, you know, as with anything, you get to a point where you're like, okay, now I need to take the next step and the next step. And and what do I wanna do next? You know, like what's the thing? And for me at the time going with GoDaddy, I kind of wanted to I was following an acquisition that happened at GoDaddy mm-hmm. and I kind of wanted to build something like I wanted to bring both worlds together that I knew which was startups mm-hmm. and kind of the you know scaling side of things right and this acquisition was kind of a new space in GoDaddy and I was really excited about what GoDaddy was doing, being kind of the old school name that I knew and trying to develop something new and enter the a new um, space, that really excited me. So um, so yeah, so commerce is sort of my thing, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I love how your career decisions are intentional and you really put a lot of thought into like what next step should be in your career. Yeah. 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 And just for premise, I think just in case that any of the audience don't know what GoDaddy is, I just search it up. My current portfolio is actually hosted using the domain on GoDaddy. Um, so I do use the service as well. But basically it's a it's a company where you can purchase web domains. So domains are like your URL. So if you want to create a website, you can have your own custom domain. You can buy that on GoDaddy. Um, I'm sure there's like, I'm, I'm sure I'm like generalizing this a lot, but that's how I use it so far. And I think there's probably a lot of other underlying layers that I'm not touching upon.
0: Yep, that's what, and that's exactly it. Is the the business is known for domains and domain hosting, and it's been around for a long time. But it's made some strategic moves recently to you know, hey, we're the we're the f- first touch point for entrepreneurs to start basically their brand, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so by starting their brand. Now we can really help them with like everything they need to get, you know, to basically become a successful business. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's kind of the idea.
1: And it's it's interesting that that strategic move kind of ties into your entrepreneur, like startup years a little bit. It's like coming back to, to the beginning yeah. a little bit. Cool. It gets,
0: I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, if you're enthusiastic about products, which I am, and, you know, The trajectory of the way things are going, obviously there's big businesses that are doing really unique things and sometimes you have the opportunity to get in there and sometimes it's smaller businesses that are doing really unique things or startups, but be inspired by what you do, you know, have, have some, we can't be inspired by everyday work every day, but like Mm -hmm. care about the ultimate thing that you're doing, you know, right or work to go toward the thing that you really get inspired by.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think delving into the weeds a little bit, I was, I I was curious, like, because I've never designed for like e-commerce or like, um, like physical commerce. I was wondering what are some of the challenges when designing for commerce in general?
0: Yeah. It's really interesting with commerce. Uh, I could, I could do an entire podcast about (laughs) commerce related (laughs) experience, but Mm -hmm taking away from e-commerce because e-commerce is a little bit more it's a little bit more about trends and and visibility and things that uh you know things like shopping on TikTok right or shopping on whatever there's the world starts opening up as the internet and you know digital experiences start to expand the physical world is where it gets really interesting um because one you're dealing with money which you know, money does take different shapes with the way that people pay. I mean, you know, take the uh, the way that we've handled things through COVID, right? Mm. Like people adapted to the way that they had to transact, right? And and deal with things. But the way that we think about money, the way that people have preferences around money, things like I want to pay with Apple Pay versus mm. I'm still like, like an old school cash person, right? Like there's differences. And it shows in how our demographics are, you know what I mean? It shows by our influences, it shows by our age, it shows by all these different things. And then it also gets really interesting when you're talking about the different types of environments, like going to obviously different countries, different stores, even, you know, like different types of stores, you kind of have certain expectations. And then you're talking about savings, which is a whole other side of life um when you're talking about some people are like super like deal savers trying to like get everything they can off of a price some of some people you know are trying to maximize their rewards
1: Mm. it's
0: just really interesting how much complexity comes into like simply a transaction and then Mm. with me i'm dealing with a lot of point of sale so Mm. point of sale design is in itself, very different, right? You're dealing with something that is ultimately trying to simplify a checkout experience and there's two people involved. And so how many times have you even talked to the person who is checking you out? Right. Like Mm. it's almost like this weird dynamic where there's two people involved and you almost it's almost like neither are even paying attention to each other, you know? Mm. Um, so from a human perspective, just like how that exchange works and all these different nuances, it gets me really like excited about um, design challenges, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. I think especially when designing, when money comes into the the play, I think that's where things get more complicated because I think spending money is always a huge decision um, or it might be an impulsive decision.
0: Exactly yeah like there's a whole there's a whole thought about like the intention of a of a, a trip like a trip to do what trip to go mm-hmm. buy something trip for routine trip for like you know what what is that the trip that's involved with that transaction and then there's all the like really forward-thinking stuff like the you know amazon Checkout store mm-hmm. that you just walk in, take your stuff, and walk out. You know where mm-hmm. there's no trans, there's no actual transaction experience, or even an Uber, right? Like mm-hmm. you're prepaying for stuff, and then you know when I went to China with PayPal, I was able to do a lot of really interesting uh, discovery work on transactions there, just because they were doing a lot with QR codes and how they were kind of they bypassed credit cards and went to QR codes. Right. You know, and just the dynamics there with cultural differences.
1: That's interesting because that also ties into the global scale that you mentioned. Like, how does the design fit with different countries, different cultures? Because I know in China, they use like WeChat Pay or like, as you mentioned, the QR code. But in the States, I I normally just use the credit card. I've mm-hmm. never, I don't think I've used QR code for we paying so
0: yeah i mean in paypal my team was responsible to bring qr code to you know paypal and venmo and uh so it exists it's there it's just most people think of it a little bit more well since covid more people are understanding qr code but we're still very attached to our cards our credit cards mm-hmm. like the idea of digital payment still even with apple pay right like mm. it just as a credit card behind it right right it's not like um everybody's using apple pay to check out
1: shifting gears a little bit i came across something really interesting on your website and i wanted to delve into this a little bit more which is basically your user experience design methodology I think what really intrigued me was that it's different from all the other processes that I've learned in the past. It's different from the design thinking process, the double diamond. So how did you come up with this and also why?
0: Yeah, it's interesting because at the time uh, that I did this, I think I I was just looking at it. It's I think 2016 Mm -hmm. time frame. I was doing a lot with IoT and I was Mm -hmm. doing a lot with commerce, which involved some sort of machine or some sort of interaction that didn't necessarily mean it was online. And so online in the, in the typical sense, right? Like a person sitting at a computer or a person, you know, even on their mobile phone, looking at websites and stuff. And so I just, you know, the design thinking approach is, is in there. It's in there as a, as a methodology for how to think creatively. But as I mentioned, I've been able to have some experience with like product development personally, mm-hmm. like being a product leader. And so when it comes to like adding in the, the business side of products, really understanding how to analyze and how to benchmark, the, these are ultimately the terms, right? Like analyze, benchmark, forecast, right. design and measure. The thing is, is that as a product designer and as terms are starting to change with user experience and into product design, you're starting to be thinking about the business outcomes and how does design kind of come across that, that uh, as a horizontal kind of thread. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I came up with my own was because that was how I systematically approached design, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I viewed design planning I won't say mm. thinking because design thinking and that methodology is an exercise to, mm. you know, going wide on on ideas and right. you know, really getting uh, into kind of exercising, you know, the innovative side of design. But a lot of times there's a lot of passing by the, the things that are just thinking processes, right? Like mm. defining, framing everything right. in order to like – be more, have have a stronger point of view. When a designer comes with strength in their point of view and they're mm-hmm. able to defend a decision because of that strength, they can get a lot further, right? They can, they can have a seat at the table when you can start talking about those things, when you can understand the perspectives of like, what is a product person trying to achieve on an outcome? What's the KPIs around that? What are the, you know, uh, OKRs, all these things, all these terms that, that they work by and Mm -hmm. how do you analyze metrics, right? How Mm -hmm. do you compare what you were planning to what you actually achieved? And that, that's the stuff that we start to get access to, but usually it's not until you get into a lead position typically that you Mm -hmm. have and really can lead and exercise some of that framing. So, um, so anyway, so that's, that's how I ended up with that approach.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think the lesson here really is, as a designer, you, you don't have to follow what's being taught, like the standard process. I think what, like, wh- what you talked about towards the end was really important. It's coming up with your own strong opinion and knowing what's best fit for you. So in your case, you realize that, oh, these are like, The standard like steps that i'm most comfortable with Mm -hmm. um and i think that's just so important yeah
0: yeah and i mean i think that when it comes down to testing out frameworks and when to use like you know you should always have an arsenal of different types of frameworks to try right like there's Mm -hmm. there's This is what is about critical thinking, right? Critical thinking gives us these ways of understanding how to get to informed decisions, right? How to, you know, reduce bias, how to get Mm -hmm. to something that's, you know, maybe you're analyzing like effort to impact, like where should I focus? How do I, Mm -hmm. all of these types of frameworks help you get clearer in -hmm. your picture and then they help you feel guided and supported a lot of times with design there's obviously the the creative side of design the especially when it comes to front end creativity mm. you know like the ui right. and the graphics and stuff but pairing that with an, the analytical side of design and trying to figure out how to how to present design in a story that's not just about the front end you know not mm. just the creative graphics
1: right it's like being intentional with your designs like mm-hmm. understanding why you took certain decisions and being exactly. able to communicate that clearly yes. to other design other designers or maybe other non-designers
0: in this yes. case stakeholders like how how do you affect a stakeholder's perspective you know like what are they the most interested in learning knowing how to talk to your audience and then setting up if you're if you are going to tell a story about design or how you got there or you know what your what your approach is going to be setting up up front what the journey is that you're trying to take somebody on so just literally saying we're going to you know and you kind of might do this with your podcast right like mm. we're going to talk about these things right. and what i'm looking for at the end of this is this you know what i mean and and just being able to to present your story very confidently, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: these types of ways of thinking through the design process can help you be more confident with your decisions and your story.
1: I think just being aware of time, I think I do want to ask the final question that I have. It's a question that I like to ask every guest that came on the podcast, which is, Imagine a scenario where you're now facing yourself, but 20 years old. So around college years, what career slash life advice will you give to your younger self?
0: Well, um, at the time, for me at 20 years old, uh, that was before the internet like really took off in the dot com mm-hmm. stage. So for me, looking back, if I was able to tell my 20 year old mm-hmm. self, it would, it would be to get involved Deeper into, you know, certain, certain, certain internet provider or certain, um, sorry, uh, dot coms, mm. or maybe to not, uh, at the time, actually, for me, I was in school for 3D animation. Mm. And so I was a little bit resistant about getting into graphic design and website design. I didn't see it for what mm. it could be. So I think maybe I would have given myself a little bit more advice on what it could be a little earlier on so that I could uh, explore it earlier. Mm -hmm. But I think think overall, like the reality is that life is gonna take its own path because the world is changing. And by the time you guys are 40 years old, 50 years old, whatever, The world is going to be a whole new place and you're part of what that changes into. And so like just step in to affect it in all the ways you want to, you know, Mm -hmm. like recognize nothing that you do is is forever. So you can always change things. You Mm -hmm. have the ability to take risk and try new things and then change that and not necessarily you know have to feel like when like an example is i'm a hiring manager for jobs and and folks coming into their career and i'm looking for drive i'm looking for enthusiasm i'm looking for creativity not looking necessarily at their resume, you know, credentials, mm-hmm. not necessarily I mean, sure, that helps. Good portfolios, really important. But, you know, or even where they went to school, not necessarily from a design mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. But drive and excitement and, you know, ready like the ability to like be enthusiastic about, you know, their growth. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that carry on and make you successful. Right. I don't know if that was the right answer to the question. but no, no, no.
1: Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. I mean, because if a person is not passionate about what he or she or they is doing, then like there's not really, I guess there's not really a point of like, like other people will tell very easily. And um, so, yeah, def- definitely agree with that. And I think maybe also adding like being intentional with mm-hmm. The decisions that you make i think that's one thing that i'm starting to realize as i'm delving more into design a little bit more is that sometimes i spend a lot more time trying to communicate instead of doing like the the heads down design work like trying to presenting my ideas to other people which is an interesting thing that i've noticed
0: yeah that's a lot of um that's a lot of what design becomes is storytelling right and there's obviously setting the. i mean the advice for the people working now and especially with remote work and everything is um also being intentional about your time like recognizing what time you need in order to do the things that uh, help you be a better designer so whether that's literally the design work you know getting heads down into a figma or you know doing the research even if it's guerrilla research and doing it on your own just to give you Mm. some perspective or it's taking a break right like stepping away and finding the things that that center you into your creativity like be you know thoughtful about your time and Mm. how you use it
1: right because you'll never get that back
0: You'll never get it back. And it's really easy to get into those those kind of like cycles where you feel like you're not necessarily making the best use of your time because you're, you're investing in your job, you're investing in your, your schooling, you're investing in all these things. And sometimes they don't feel like they give back, right? Um, so try to find ways of getting replenished mm. because it's important to keep your drive and to keep your you know positivity and your strength through um mm. through what you're doing. So replenish yourself as much as you can.
1: For sure. Haiti, this has been a wonderful conversation. I know yeah. we went quite over time, but really appreciate you for making this happen. And thank course, you so much for coming on to the show. Yeah. I
0: enjoyed it. Thank you. This was a great experience for me. So thank you.
1: Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really appreciate your time. And again, before we say goodbye, My name is Guo, and you've just listened to the Not Just Pixel Show, and I'll see you in the next episode.